From the Church of the Nazarene and Mesoamerica Genesis, you're listening to the Worthless Servants Podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Worthless Servants Podcast. Yep, you heard it right. I kicked Scott out of the host chair. He's gone. You didn't ask for it, but I did it anyway. (laughs) This is Emily Armstrong. I'm your host for today's podcast. We welcome you back. If you are normal listeners to us, you might know who's sitting around the table with us this afternoon. But if you're not, my name is Emily Armstrong, and to my right is... I'm Scott Armstrong, and you're doing really well at this. <laughs> Thank you. you. you might, I've been practicing listening for a long time. Long time listener, first time caller, right here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to his right, AJ Fry. Hey, guys. To his right is Natalie Franco. Hi, guys. And to her right, Chelsea Fry. Fun facts with Chelsea. I don't know why every time I get so nervous when I hear that music. <laughs> Fun fact. Japan has one vending machine for every 40 people. Whoa. Nice. Seems like it's not enough. What? (laughs) What? It is thought to have the highest density of vending machines in the world. I'm only joking. Highest density of people and vending machines. Do they like vend funny things in their funny vending Um, machines? In their funny vending machines? Just regular vending machines? Most of them are just beverages, but they also have ice cream vending machines, noodle vending machines, and disposable camera vending machines. Disposable cameras. Those are still a thing. Wow, Natalie, do you know what a disposable camera is? No. It's It's a camera you take out all the pictures and then you lose it. (laughs) (laughs) Somebody has to develop the pictures for you. Like you turn it in and somebody turns it into a picture for you. I didn't know those still existed. I didn't either. I love sometimes on these fun facts, like (laughs) then we turn to Natalie and she's like, Really? <laughs> that even exists? I have no idea we what you're talking about. We asked her a while ago if she like if all of these made sense, and she was like, "I never know what you're talking <laughs> yeah, about. Yeah. Hardly ever." <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That's right. Well, we are thinking today. We are using our episode to talk about what we've been thinking about and pulling back the curtain just a little bit. Scott always gives us kind of like just a little bit of foresight of what we're going to talk about, what we're going to study. And when I was looking at it, I turned around. For those of you that didn't make the connection, we are married. We both share the same last name. I turned around and looked at him and I said, you know, I've been thinking about some stuff, but I haven't thought about it long enough to bring it to the podcast. Why don't you think this week and I'll host? And he was like, (laughs) deal, done. So Scott is going to be sharing with us this week what he's been thinking. And Chelsea, I would love to start with you to hear what you've been thinking about over the past few weeks. Well, I have been thinking a lot about the Bible. Oh, Chelsea. (laughs) What a downer. (laughs) No, but it's exciting. It's hopeful. Um, So I have been I think I've shared this before. I've been trying to read the Bible in a year for the last like four years. <laughs> like, which there's some really funny memes that I've sent to Chelsea yes. at the beginning of 2022. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm going to finish like next week. Awesome. Supposedly. Party. Uh, so I, I, it struck me though. I've, so I've been reading scripture, just scripture. I don't read like a devotional with it. I don't read a commentary typically unless I'm really confused <laughs> or I find my local Emily Armstrong and discern <laughs> what God is saying. I like the idea that there's a local Emily Armstrong <laughs> anywhere, anywhere in the world. There's a vending it's machine really for that. <laughs> in Japan, probably. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. So, um, I, I was talking with a bunch of people about it. Like, 
what do you do for your devotional time with the Lord? Because I'm coming to the end of this, like, do I just start over? Like, what do I do? And um, (laughs) what's interesting is I have learned that most people don't just read the Bible. Mm -hmm. They read devotionals. Mm -hmm. They read books by other people who are reading the Bible. Mm Mm-hmm. Which sounds good in theory and can probably break down some barriers when we're talking about like confusion or, or trying to understand scripture. But I think that there's some loss in that. I think there's some, some things that we're, we're missing when we're not giving the Holy Spirit space to speak directly to us from the words of God. Yeah. And so I, I just am intrigued by that. I'm, I'm thinking in my own like ministry how do I encourage people to focus on God's word? It sounds really weird. And I and probably if you talk to the average Christian, they're like, yeah, you should read God's word. But then if you ask them, what are you reading in God's word? They're like, mm-hmm. well, I just read this book. Yeah. Mm. But they're not reading actual Bible. Mm. And so I just thought that was interesting. Well, like uh, maybe some of you have been invited to write devotions. I, I don't know. We've Emily and I have been invited recently to write some devotionals and depending on the people that are, that are asking for that, they'll give us the framework, the, you know, it needs to be this amount of words and it needs to be and one, one uh, entity that has invited us to, to write always says no more than one verse at the top, just one verse at the top and then your reflection on it. Mm. And it always makes me wonder, that's, like, that's difficult. like, I always wonder, it, oh, by the way, the reflection is only 200 words like 250 words. Right. And so I always am thinking as I'm writing the devotion, Oh boy. I mean, are they going to even go back to their original chapter? Mm. Are they, are, are they, so this is their time to, to read the Bible today, I guess. And it's just this one verse and then my thoughts on it. Like it almost feels weighty. Yeah. You know, yeah. it almost feels like, Oh, the burden of their spiritual life is on this one three minute time to engage. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah. yeah. And I'm going to tell you like, as a millennial, uh, I'm not going to go get my Bible. If I'm reading your devotional book, or whether it's digital or physical, I'm not going to go get a different resource to figure out, oh, what's the rest of that chapter mm-hmm. say? Like, you've told me what I'm supposed to read, so that's what I'm going to read. You've done the studying for me. I don't yeah. need to study I'm myself. I'm not going to go get more <laughs> information. That seems not necessary. <laughs> so, yeah. like... So like I think you're right in assuming that like no they're not going to go back and read the rest of that chapter. And that's dangerous, that's right? Rough. Like we I want a generation that knows how to read scripture and discern mm. the voice of God. I think so often we have people that are like I don't know what God wants for my life, but it's because they haven't practiced learning the voice of God through reading his word. And I think that's something that we can I don't know, we should all be thinking about. <laughs> Yeah, I remember one of the things that when our kids were still young, I read something in a parenting article, actually, like it was a Christian parenting article, obviously, but it said that children need to be exposed to reading the Bible, like with their parents, because you're literally reading ancient literature. Their brains aren't used to it. It's not a tweet. It's not an Instagram post. It's ancient (laughs) literature and it's hard. Like anybody that says, oh, the Bible is super easy reading. They're lying to you. It's not easy reading because it's not the way we talk. It's not our culture. It's not our customs. There's a lot to learn how to read the text. And they they said, it's like Shakespeare. You would never just put 
one of Shakespeare's poems in front of your mm-hmm. student and be like, so what does it mean? Because they don't know, like they don't yeah. know how to read it. And that for me helped me to understand that you have to number one, learn how to read the Bible. You also have to want to hear God's word to you because mm-hmm. when you're constantly reading somebody else's words, mm-hmm. you're getting a filtered word of God, right? right? Yeah, like yeah. there might be that verse that Scott talked about that somebody wrote on and what God said to them about it. However, you're short selling yourself because God has something to share with you as well through that verse but like read it for yourself Mm. before you read somebody else's i think about the the spiritual disciplines even of one of them is reading the bible and another one is studying the bible like those are two different things and so reading somebody's book i would put into the study of the bible Mm -hmm. not necessarily like reading and hearing god's word very specifically to me so i will tell you if you're reading the whole bible in a year there's just not time to do all of that i'm reading like three chapters at least a day and so it's like that takes a good 45 minutes i'm a slow reader um but like it, it's not, it doesn't leave enough time for me to like also read a chapter of a book that somebody's done mm-hmm. on this. I have to rely on the Holy Spirit most of the time to figure out like what is going on here. Right. Mm-hmm. I also like the fact that it does read a whole chapter at a time yeah. because you get more of the story. You're not just getting like a snippet of advice. Mm-hmm. You're getting context and that's mm-hmm. cool. Yeah. Thanks for bringing that, Chelsea. That's that's awesome. I think it's something that, especially in a time when we're trying to figure out what we're doing with our time, how we're prioritizing, like always keeping devotions yeah. and what God's saying to us, knowing that it's living and active, there's always something to be said. So even if you start reading the Bible again in one year that <laughs> takes two or three years, it's okay. There is something new and fresh that God will show you again. So, and I can say that from my own testimony. Natalie, Hi. what have you been thinking about? <laughs> Well, I've been like a long, long time thinking, I've been thinking about this and it's about uh, what does that mean to be a worth, um, to be a genuine servant. Genuine servant. Yeah. Uh, So Mm. it seems like there are a lot of books of leadership and I've been trying to find even in the Nazarene library books about service, but I found I found more of leadership. Mm. <laughs> so if you uh-huh. know if you know a book of how mm-hmm. to be a good servant, uh-huh. I am looking for that. So please, and then um, I remember once, like one year before, I was reading the Life with Purpose of mm-hmm. Nick Warren. Uh huh. The day 33 and 34, if you want to find out <laughs> that pages, <laughs> and it's a purpose-driven life in Ex- English. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Thank you mm-hmm. for that. For that. Um, so it, it's, it was a specific, they were specifically talking about that. How does, what means to be a genuine servant? Mm. And since then I've been like, oh, wow. And he was saying, and a couple of things about that. And I want to just bring that on the table. He was saying that being a genuine servant, um, a genuine servant make themselves available to serve, mm. uh, and they want they they want to be ready all the time to serve when they are called. Right. A genuine servant pay attention to needs, and they are always on the lookout for ways to help others. A genuine servant do they the best they can with what they have, and they don't make any excuses. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sounds like the title of this podcast. <laughs> 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 uh, 
Oh, well. They don't procrastinate and they don't wait for better circumstances. Mm -hmm. A genuine servant um, do every task with equal dedication, even if it is a small or a big one, mm -hmm. they do it the best they can do it. Wow. A genuine servant are faithful in their ministry. They finish their task, fulfill their responsibility, and they keep their promises. Mm. Um, a genuine servant are modest. They do not promote themselves to try to attract attention to themselves. Mm -hmm. And then I'm adding another one that God has teaching me during this year, <laughs> and I'm going to say it, <laughs> um, we're not looking for applause mm -hmm. or to be recognized when we serve, but when someone throw your service to the trash can, mm. a genuine servant continues serving. Mm -hmm. mm. And this is a worthless servant podcast, <laughs> so we know <laughs> what those mean to be worthless servant, but when someone makes you feel worthless when you're serving, you have to keep serving. Mm. Keep serving and keep humbling yourself and remember that God sees your genuine servant heart. Mm. Yeah. So I don't know what of these characteristics of being genuine servant challenge you the most. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Mm. This is amazing. I'm going to ask you to write an article on this it's so good it's so good well and it does speak to me i think all of us were like what does that say when we have uh, you know so many books that are on leadership and none of them deal with yeah, like servant leadership right. or service yeah. right but it reminded when you were talking it reminded me of colossians uh 317 and then 323 317 says and whatever you do whether in word or deed do it all in the name of the lord jesus giving thanks to god the father through him and he goes on to tell a few things and then kind of uh says something very similar but with a little different slant in 23 whatever you do work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. Mm -hmm. And I like that because not for the boss, not for the teacher, not mm -hmm. for like, eh, for other people to say, great job, not to the, you know, but I'm doing this for the Lord. And so if I receive applause or I don't, if I receive criticism yeah. or don't like this is for God, you know, yep. what's difficult. I think for me personally is like, I, I feel like I can serve. And if nobody recognizes it, I'm fine with that. I'm I prefer that. But the last thing that you said, like if, if I serve somebody and they just outright don't want it or deny it or just like throw it in the garbage, mm -hmm. that's hard for me. Yeah. Like, like they just not, just not paying attention to it, but like actively going against it, you know, yeah. that's, that's tough. But, and a lot of times for me, that's hard to keep serving that person, especially but in that time, I, I remember one of the hardest words that I hear from Jesus when I read the Bible is to love your enemy. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. It reminds me, Natalie, I've been watching like a period drama is what it's called. So it's like from the early 1900s. It's around World World War One era. And um, it's about a upper class family that has servants living in their house. And so it's the relationship that happens between the upper class and the lower class. And it's been interesting me to, to watch because at that point in time, to be a servant was a professional goal. 
And people looked for those jobs because they knew that they would be taken care of because they knew that they were going to be in a, a nice house and they would have a bed and they would have a meal three times. And so they wanted to be in a service position. If they couldn't be the upper level, then I want to be in a service position because I'm going to be able to live on what these upper level people are living. And it reminds me of what you're talking about of when you said with, again, what it caught my attention with the leadership books and the servant books, you know, like if. If we as the church would say a big piece of who we are in our identity is how to become a servant. And I think we need to be careful with the difference between servant and slave, mm -hmm. two very different oh, things. Yeah. Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And so we want to be a servant. We want to choose a lifestyle of service, which is what a servant is. But we also recognize that it comes with the protection of somebody that we're serving, right? And so like when we serve God, the Colossians passages tell us that when we're doing this for God, we recognize that our service is in response to the protection that he's offering us. We want to do this for him because when it's going well for him, it's going well for me, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I think those are very interesting concepts to think about as a church that would say our identity is servant and service and servant leadership even, I think that's awesome that you're thinking through that, especially as a young person. I would encourage you to continue, continue your journey. And if you find books, I would love to know what those books are as well, because I agree it's very few that I can even think of title-wise that teach us that as the church. Maybe you should write one someday. <laughs> <laughs> sure, well, she's starting with the article. So. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. AJ, what have you been thinking about? So I've been, uh, upon the recommendation of you all, reading the book of Acts this year is going to be my Yay, my that book. was my recommendation. Yeah. <laughs> I remember. <laughs> so I'm so I'm reading through that. I've read through it a couple times now. And I just keep thinking about again, probably obsessed. <laughs> I just I think keep we're thinking finding a piece of AJ's yeah, personality. Thinking about pockets. what the church would look like if like we never thought about it being in a building. Mm. And I think a lot of times I keep thinking about this too as I'm reading. A lot of times we justify having a building with the scripture that we read about Solomon building this beautiful temple. And that's good. And uh, even in Acts, the the apostles and the, the followers of Christ met regularly, daily in the temple, right? Or in the temple courts. Right. And so we use these as like, oh, we need a place. We need a building that's just dedicated for our services. But I think like, what would the church look like if that never crossed our mind? Like it was always, we just are, you know, we don't have to have a service or a, a program or this thing. What, what would it look like? It would, what do you think <laughs> it would look like? I think it would look, the popular phrase that's going around is organic church. Mm -hmm. And I like that. I hate that we've named it <laughs> because anti-name. Yes. Because that puts us in a box. Anti-label. Right. Mm -hmm. Anti-labels. But it's, it's so true. It would be very natural, very organic. I think you'd find one, I think there'd be less statistics on who is a Christian and who is like a member of a church. There'd be less of that. It'd be harder to, to put numbers to it mm -hmm. for one thing. But I think you would start to see deeper community. I think you would start to see healthier Christians. And yeah, I think when it says in Acts, and this just blows my mind every time I read it, it says multiple places that among them there was no need. Like there, 
nobody had any needs among them because they shared everything. That was what community is supposed to be mm-hmm. to the point that nobody had any needs. Yeah. That just blows my mind. <laughs> and I long to see that. I think you would see more of that if, like, if it was more organic. Yeah. Yeah. We'd have to change definition of need. Yeah. There couldn't be selfishness involved. That's true. Also, so like, not everybody's getting a flat screen TV. That's true, right? Because <laughs> that's oh, not shoot. a need. I need right. that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I agree. Whenever I read that, it's partly, hey, there's a need that has arisen, and somebody met that. Mm-hmm. But it's also that everyone realized, I don't really need that. Right. You right. Know, somebody that else needs right. this more than me. And like, if if all of us in the world, every Christian, were to have that point of view, oh my goodness, I mean, revival would break out. Oh yeah. yeah. I mean, people would could not deny that it's like, what is going on yeah. with these people? They really don't care about their stuff. Yeah. Like they just would much rather use it to meet somebody else's needs, you yeah. know? And I wonder if that's why you saw so rapid growth at the very beginning that you read about in Acts, 3,000 in a day, you know? Yeah. I wonder if that's the reason. I think assuredly that's part of the reason. Yeah. Um, I also was challenged by a seminary professor to say, we, we need to remember where the primitive church was. And when we say primitive, we don't mean that they were like backwards thinking or whatever. It mm-hmm. just means the first church, yeah, right? Yeah. So when the church is born, they literally are in this state that Jesus has just left the earth mm-hmm. and they have this intense belief that his return is right now. Mm-hmm. Like he's left and he's coming back. And so... For them Mm. to sell properties and give things away and to be uh, very free with sharing everything was because they literally thought, I don't need this material stuff on earth because Jesus is coming back and Mm. that's the kingdom that we've been waiting Mm. for. And so um, my guess would be that what we've seen as the church continues to move away from Jesus's ascension, that a little bit less of that mentality, people are like, well, Jesus still hasn't come back. Mm. Jesus still hasn't come back. Like I need a more permanent place. I need to be, you know, engaged somewhere. So that's always helped me to think through some of those first few issues. And even as you say, organic church, it brought to my mind like this concept of a, a garden. I don't know if any of you have been in um, like a wild garden, like there's some beauty that's in a wild garden that's not taken care of, that has no structure, that has no gardener that's visiting it. There is beauty that is there. However, a garden that is like taken care of and is being um, pruned well and has a vision for what it all looks like, like there's peace and, Mm. and comfort in that kind of garden. And so to me, like we even when you're talking about a church that doesn't have a whole lot of structure and doesn't have, you know, buildings and stuff. I kind of think, yeah, there can be beauty in that. But at the same time, there could be a lot of like fear in that as well. Like, where are we going? What are we doing? There's a lack of vision. And and so I, I struggle between both of those worlds for sure, because mm-hmm. I can see the goodness, but I can see if a little bit of the, you know, when we go completely organic, it's like, are we just going to go wild? There's no <laughs> rules, you know? Yeah. Or, or can both, maybe what you, is this is what you're saying, but can we have both? Mm-hmm. Like organic, a, a garden is organic yeah, I mean, yeah. literally <laughs> it's um, where it comes from <laughs> yes but but like could there be this organic growth and environment of the church essence of the church even but still with some some order not yeah. with control per se but with with order and, and aj yeah. you and i have talked about this <laughs> at length as we've studied you know different books about what what was the early church like and how far have we gotten from yeah. that you know and and um and it is intriguing it is intriguing to see how much stuff we just consider is real is well that's real church you know mm-hmm. yeah and that doesn't show up anywhere in acts 
Yeah. Yeah. I always appreciate, AJ, how much you think about what the primitive church was, because I do think that there is a lot of blueprint that is there, Mm -hmm. that we've gotten away from Mm -hmm. it as the church. So what are the things that we need to tear down that are Mm. sacred, um, the sacred cows that we have in the name of tradition and that we believe is biblical culture, but the reality is it's just this kind of church culture that's come up. So thanks for thinking about those things (laughs) and always allowing us to think with you. Scott. We hardly ever hear what you're thinking. So tell us, we're going to enter into a very different world at this point in time. So buckle up, people. (laughs) I feel like of all of us in this room, like you guys know what I'm thinking the most. And so (laughs) there's, there's a time during the episode when I I probably don't need to share, but since you've allowed me. It's either about sports or word games is what I'm going to. Or word games, yes. (laughs) That's what I should have been thinking about. Or or food. Or food. Or food. Um, So a little story, and uh, then I have a question for you all. The story is that I remember back when I was, you know, growing up, uh, a teenager, and I was in many church services, even missionary services. And they would all, they would ask, how can we pray for you? You know, and the missionary would say, would you pray for visas? Would you pray for, for uh, us to receive our residency and stuff like that? Now, I don't know if we've talked about this on the, on the podcast, but in that moment, I don't know about you guys, but in that moment as a teenager, like if the person said, pray for lost and broken people to come to know the Lord, I was in. I was like, this is exciting, you know, absolutely. Pray for health. Oh, they're in Africa. They're in these different places. I need to pray for, for their health and as they're going to. I remember the reason I mentioned Africa is I remember uh, Schmelzenball the 19th. Yeah, yeah. I knew that's uh, you Yeah, and, and just talking literally about snakes and crossing rivers. And so I'm like, I will pray for your health, you know, (laughs) (laughs) your protection. But like when they talked about residency, when they talked about uh, a visa, like make sure that we can get our visas and the government will grant that and stuff. I was like, boring. You know, I was like, forget (laughs) that. You know, fast forward several years where we are coordinators We are coordinators of a ministry that is dependent on sending missionaries, mobilizing Mm -hmm. missionaries from many countries to other countries. And everything is going well, except the government will not grant Mm -hmm. even an interview or will just deny a visa or, uh, you know, the person's been ministering there effectively. And then they're just like, no, now you can't. Mm -hmm. It's just drives me crazy. And so my praying, my prayer has changed. Now I'm that guy that on home assignment is telling people, please pray for visas. And I have mm-hmm. my, my, my prayer team. And I say, pray for residency, pray for governments to, to be open, pray for this. So all of that to say, how have changed How have your, can you look back and, and say, ah, my prayers literally have changed in the last decade. Uh, I can see back maybe 20 years, 10 years, and I can see that my prayers have changed. Does anything come to mind? For me, yeah, I, just in the last probably five years, I've always struggled with the concept of prayer, <laughs> but I think I've changed a lot in my attitude towards prayer and being very much more relational with God. And therefore, like when I pray, when I intentionally take time to pray, I feel like it's more, I'm praying for things that matter more to actual people. Mm. Whereas I think, <laughs> I mean, when I was, when I was younger, still new to Christianity or my walk with Christ, I would just pray for, Oh, let's protect people. Let's protect the missionaries. 
Thank you, God, for my family. Amen. (laughs) But now that I think more about how prayer can affect people and how prayer can change things, like I'm praying for more detailed things. Like I know Emily is struggling with this. And so I'm going to pray for this specifically. I know, I know that, uh, this person needs a visa, for example. I'm, so I'm going to pray that God speaks to those government officials and that he, that he presses on their heart and their mind that they need to have an interview with this person. And so I think for me, it's, it's changing that way, more detailed and more specific prayers. Mm-hmm. Well, I can say, I, I think the same as AJ, um, as a young woman, before, like when I was a teenager, I was lucky you know, in a prayer life and that affected me a lot. <laughs> like I was, I was more vulnerable to get mm-hmm. attacked mm. from the evil. And mm. now that I am walking more intentional this journey <laughs> mm-hmm. with God and I've seen like how much I've grown in this intentionality of get to know even more God um, and, and, and get closer to God. I can say that the same has been happening to me as AJ. Mm. I am more specific right now. For example, this month I'm praying for one person, mm. specifically for one person. And it is it is beautiful to see what mm. God is doing in my heart when I am praying for that specific person. Mm-hmm. And how I am always thinking of that person to get closer to God to to be like it's beautiful not only what he's doing in me but also what I'm seeing that God is doing in that in that person yeah and I can I can say it's it's beautiful and I feel and I'm always <laughs> I and I'm and I'm always every every day with this happiness of I'm gonna take 15 minutes because it is only 15 minutes to pray for that person and every day I'm writing uh, mm. I'm going to pray for this, for that person. And then uh, I have an agenda, actually. Wow. <laughs> nice. Nice. <laughs> that into, and it's beautiful because every time I'm happy to um, to have that time to pray for that Ooh, person. Yeah. It, it's beautiful yeah. to see what God is doing in me and uh, in that person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll give even one more example. I, this is really good because I, even as you're talking about how we pray, I pray that the way I pray now would not be the same as in 10 years. I pray that in 10 years I would have grown and there would be a depth that maybe isn't now here. Right. But one other example, I remember when we were early on, we were missionaries, very young missionaries. And I had prayed for missions and missionaries before, but being in a conference room, literally where we are as regional coordinators, praying for entire districts, nations. Lord, let's pray for Nicaragua. Lord, let's pray for that. Like immediately as a young man, I was just like, we're going to the next level. I mean, (laughs) this is, I mean, as a, as a regional coordinator, it is no longer just like isolated. And here's the, please pray for this one thing that affects me and like now our responsibility even Paul, I think of is when he says uh, all he, he lists out in, in, uh, in second Corinthians, he lists out all of the terrible things that he's gone through. And then he says, add to this, the burden that I have of praying for all of you, you know? <laughs> and I'm like, what does he mean by that? You know, compared to being whipped and be in shipwrecked and all this other stuff. But what he's saying is, man, I have this great burden now for all of you in different cities and churches that I've planted and in nations and in the, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, and I do think uh, certainly uh, that was a quick culture shock. It was a quick change where, where I became like, okay, Lord, my prayers need to be way different than they ever have been before. I, I have noticed that like 
in the past, my, my prayers were more selfish. And now as my maturity mm. in Christ has occurred and as I'm growing to know him more, it seems like my prayers are more focused on others, not mm. like to bend to my will, <laughs> mm-hmm. but to like complete God's will in my life and in their life. And so mm-hmm. it's less selfish, like focused and more like, God, teach me your ways. God, show me how your kingdom works. Where do you want me to be? How do you want this to work? So it's more of like seeking his will versus my own. Yeah. Mm. That's the transformation I've seen. I think that's great. I think we all as Christians constantly need to be growing. (laughs) That is is our mandate. That is who we are as Christians, as disciples. I can definitely testify that my prayers have changed as I've known Christ more. And even Chelsea, going back to your thought about devotions, my prayers change as I'm more informed of what God's word says. And um, I know that as I've become a more mature disciple of Christ, that I don't very often ask for God to change my circumstances anymore. Mm-hmm. I ask God to open up my eyes as to why the circumstances are happening. Yeah. And I think when, um, when Scott, you asked like, do you pray different? Uh, definitely. 10 years ago, I was like, God changed this. God, I can't handle this. God, I can't God. And you know, God. And, and when I started to know God's promises, when I knew his truth and when mm. I started to say, okay, well, this is what I see around me. And it makes me super uncomfortable. And you said that you were a God that would never leave me or forsake me. Mm-hmm. You said that you are the Prince of peace. You you said, and, and like literally that's what's changed in my prayers is yeah. being armed with the sword of the spirit, even in my prayers of saying, you've put the mind of Christ in me and we're going to, we're going to talk about this together right. because what I'm seeing does not line up. So help me to see. And uh, it gives me more confidence definitely to walk forward. Well, I love that you guys are thinking now I'm thinking about more and we probably need to have another podcast on Ben thinking Scott, so you can put it on your agenda. <laughs> Thank you guys for tuning into this episode of the Worthless Servants podcast. Uh, Scott, I'm going to put you on test because you normally ask me if they want to chime in on this conversation for what they've been thinking on. What can they do and where can they find us? I would love if everyone who's listening <laughs> would visit MesoamericaGenesis.org. Uh, you can go to Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all of the social media, and you can uh, get a hold of us under the Worthless Servants podcast. Tell somebody about us as well. Uh, let somebody know. Uh, invite somebody. Send this or another episode to them. Uh, we need to get the word out. We believe what we're doing is 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 a great thing, and uh, I think you do too if you're listening. So. Uh, that's how you can become involved. Thanks for being a part of this episode of the Worthless Servants podcast. I'm Emily Armstrong. And I'm Scott Armstrong. I'm AJ Fry. I'm Natalie Franco. And I'm Chelsea Fry. We'll talk with you next time. For more information, visit us on Facebook or at MesoAmericaGenesis.org.